a deadly event in... Let me double-check where it's at. Let me check my notes here real quick. A fun-filled event in Pakistan that is also known for its grisly deaths. We look at a book that predicted the tragedy of the Titanic. And then we discuss homunculus recipes. Yes, I pronounced that right. I know you're shocked. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. Actually, I wasn't going to record tonight. Fell asleep in my chair and I thought, eh. But then I was like, you know what? I actually have about 400, 500 listeners who listen to the show day of or the next day. And then the episode downloads on both YouTube and the podcast go up over time. And I was like, you know, I got, that's a sizable amount of people between YouTube and the podcast that expect an episode on schedule. So I fell asleep in my chair and then I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I'm really tired. I'm going to take a shower and wake up and I'm going to record this episode for you guys. So we did it. We made it through Hell Week, the first week of doing the three jobs and it worked. They got an episode out every day, which is good. That's very good for the show. I think I'm going to start recording earlier in the day. I might even record extra episodes on the weekends to kind of make the recording schedule a little smaller. But um, we'll see. Because I really like the process of recording and editing and things like that. Just when I get started late, it's like 8 o'clock at night, I know I'm going to be up until at least 11 by the time I start uploading these to YouTube. Anyway, so that's... All extra stuff. You guys don't care about that. Maybe you do. But let's go ahead and move on to our first story. So our first story is part of our new news. Stories from the year 2004. Now, this particular story, I wasn't able to find the original article. But I wasn't shocked to learn that it's still going on today. Because when I read the article in 2004, I was like, that's ridiculous. Why would they have such a horrible event annually? And when I started looking for the original article, I found an article from 2015, 11 years later, documented the exact same incidents. It is, in 2015, there's this thing called the Spring, uh, every year, every year, it's an annual thing. But this happened in 2015, there's a Spring Festival in Pakistan. And everyone comes out, it's like everyone kind of like, I guess leaves their house or something, and they go to like one big field, I guess there's like one giant field in Pakistan. And it's a kite festival. So everyone's like, yay, I got my kite. You know, thousands, tens of thousands of, I don't know the exact amount, but let's say thousands of kites. They would have to be for the casualties that are about to come. Thousands of kites lining the sky. And you're thinking, how does a festival of kites lead to a bunch of people getting killed? Well, in this particular event, they actually, so the year before, they said, no more kites. No more kites. You can't bring your kite to the Spring Festival anymore. So many people are getting killed and injured. And they had just lifted the ban. They said, okay, this year you can bring your kites back. And you're like, Jason, just get to the kites killing people. Just get to the kites killing people. But let me lay this down. So just this, just in this year, just in 2015, they said, okay, we'll lift the ban. You can bring your kites back. In 2015, 11 people killed over 100 injured. And you're like, wow, are these kites like eating people? Well, some of them were killed 
and got injured because of people shooting into the air. And you're thinking, okay, that's fine. You know, people are like, yay, it's spring. Oh, yeah, this is so awesome. Only happens once a year. I don't know why they even have a spring festival, but shooting guns in the air. But what they, the problem is, is that part of their kite festival, and this is pretty rad, honestly, but part of their kite festival is they have kite duels. So we have a rivalry all year long. And I'm like, you know what, dude? I can't wait until the spring festival. Only three more seasons than me, you, and our kites. And what they do is they build kites and they have kite battles. So they take kites and they build spikes on them and they crash them into their rival's kites and destroy their kite. But that's not the only thing they do. The other thing they do is they... Oh, and I think a couple people got pierced by the spikes on the kites, but the big problem they had was they would take the kite string. Someone at one point during this uh, weapon war, during this arms race of the kites, decided, oh, you know what would be great? If I took my kite string, coated it in glue, and then rolled it around in broken glass. So their kite string, their kite's like, it's making, you know, the noises Snoopy's doghouse makes when it flies around, just really like, and the string would hit the other guy's kite string and cut it in half. And you'd be like, oh no, my kite string, and his kite would fly away. And then the arms race evolved to some people would take, like I said, the glue, just put glue and broken glass on their kite strings. But the more industrious ones would say, well, I'm, I actually, I'm going to make my kite string bulletproof. So I'm going to use metal wire for my kite string. Thin metal wire. Now, now you can start to see how this kite festival can become quite deadly. Because you have kids running around. You have people just sitting there at their picnic, enjoying eating apples or whatever, just having a good old time. And a kite, a metal kite string wraps around their neck. And the kite is like just getting like tons of like airflow, whatever the thing is that lift. And you're like, oh, and your family's watching as you're like slowly being suffocated. People have just gotten their throat slashed by these super sharp wires. People have been electrocuted because they're flying their kites. And they, I mean, because again, you have this huge mass of people and the people who show up late, they're like, oh man, I don't have anywhere to fly my kite, but except by these power lines, they get electrocuted. People were falling off buildings trying to get their kites that had crashed. 11 dead, 100 wounded. The article that I read back in 2004, because I had remembered it when I saw the headline, was that a young girl bled out because a kite string coated in glass wrapped around her neck and sliced her throat open because the thrust of the lift, I don't even know the technical terms, but the, like, lift of the kite just tightened the tightened the string enough that it just cut her throat open and i was like oh and so they're still doing it and now they have a ban again it, it'll probably be lifted in a while but it's just such a bizarre i mean i i get that there's like weird f- festivals and traditions around the world but most of them don't involve garroting nor just people who are like eating a picnic not eating a picnic but having a picnic you do I mean, guys, some people are having a picnic, another guy eats their picnic. Arr. I don't know that. Okay, okay, we're done with that. <laughs> we're done with that story. The next one we're going to look at is the the story of the man who predicted, in a way, the sinking of the Titanic. And you may go, ah, Jason, I've heard this story before. And maybe you have. I'd actually heard it a couple times. But anyway, so this is the story of the man who predicted the Titanic. And there's a lot, you know, the thing is, is like conspiracy theories a lot of times hinge on coincidences. 
And like my good friend Garrick said, I believe in coincidences. Coincidences happen all the time, but I don't trust coincidences. Now, when you put out so much media as we have as a world, you're going to get stuff that eventually does line up to real-life events. And it's weird. Sometimes there's so many coincidences, you really have to like step back and go, that's eerie. To be fair, when I read about this guy, they said he also predicted the Pearl Harbor attack, and I was like, what? And I was like, that's like two for two. And I looked it up, and he just predicted that the Imperial Japanese Air Force would attack the U.S. Navy. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of just, that's not really Pearl Harbor. It was like out in the middle of the ocean, so he's not two for two. But anyway, so Morgan Robertson was the author, and he wrote a book called The Wreck of the Titan, or Futility. 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 The Wreck of the Titan. Anyways, that was the name of the book. And he wrote in 1898, and this is the plot of the book. The, the plot of the book is, is worthy enough to talk about. I think it's pretty funny. There's, the plot is there's a disgraced naval officer named John Rowland, and he gets... I don't know why he was disgraced. Maybe he was, I don't know, stealing seawater. But anyway, so he gets a job, like a low-down, dirty job on the Titan. He's like, oh, this sucks, but he has to, like, make money. So he's like, oh, this sucks. I'm just shoveling coal into this engine. The Titan, in the book, hits an iceberg. So what happens is the boat, it's a thriller. The boat hits the iceberg, and it's starting to sink. And John Rowland is trying to make his way off of the ship. And he comes across the daughter of his ex. I don't know where the ex is at. I, I was just reading the plot. But anyways, he, he finds the daughter of his ex, and he's like, oh, I have to save you. Maybe that'll maybe it'll get me out of the friend zone. So he, like, saves the girl. He saves the kid by jumping onto the iceberg. So the boat hits the iceberg, and he jumps onto the iceberg with the kid. A polar bear shows up. He fights the polar bear. I mean, come on, dude. That's, that should have been in the movie. Instead of Jack just floating to the bottom of the ocean, they should have had a polar bear fight scene. He, um, John Rowland fights the polar bear. Then, after having saving this kid, he gives it back to his ex and goes, here, I've saved her. And the ex has him arrested for kidnapping. Even though he was, kidna- he was kidnapping her off of a sinking boat, eventually he's found innocent and because then it becomes a court drama. The, the trial's not taking place on the iceberg. They're like, is there a judge on here? Anyways, so he, they, they all get saved. They, he goes to court for kidnapping. He's found innocent, and the ex is castigated for being lame. Like, you shouldn't have done this. They're like, listen, dude, you're lame. This guy obviously was simply trying to save her. He wasn't doing anything wrong. And John, then, the happy ending, he's, he becomes homeless. He slowly works his way up, and he gets a good government job. So, basically, he's kind of just like a cog in a machine at the end, but that's happier than where he was at. This is actually the end of the book. Spoiler alert. For a hundred-year-old book. Here's, this is the last part. So, it says he finally gets his civil service exam, and this is the quote, to a lucrative position under the government. And as he seated himself at his desk in his office, could have been heard to remark, Now, John Rowland, your future is your own. You have merely suffered in the past from a mistaken estimate of the importance of women and whiskey. What? So basically, it was the MGTOW version of the Titanic. But this book came out 14 years before the Titanic sank. It actually was written before they even started building the Titanic. So you're like, okay, Jason Iceberg, boat hits iceberg, the name's similar. 
They both sank in April in the Atlantic. They both came from England. The Titan was 800 feet long. Titanic was 882 feet long. Both had similar tonnage. Both called unsinkable. Both had a shortage of lifeboats. Both hit icebergs. Both on star sites. Both 400 nautical miles from Newfoundland. What's interesting was that, so he wrote the book, and it was it was a pretty good seller. People had read it, and then people still were like, "Hey, this that hey man, remember that book you read? That was awesome. Hey, you want to go on this boat called the Titanic? Oh yeah, totally. Where's it leaving from? England? Oh cool. How big is it? So on and so forth. People for years pestered the author about being a clairvoyant, and he goes, "Listen, everything that I came up with." was because I know nautical stuff. I know boats, and I know, like, how they move. I know, like, how they go through, not go through the water, but I know what routes they'll take and things like that, and the chances of them running into an iceberg in April and all this stuff. So he denies it. He denies that he's a clairvoyant, and that he's probably right. It is, even given all of these saying, you know, I know a lot of stuff about nautical stuff, it, it is still weird about things like the name, and the idea of it being billed as an unsinkable ship, I, I don't know. It's just the shortage of lifeboats. Uh, it's a lot of stuff. Now, obviously, no one jumped off on the iceberg. Actually, I wonder why nobody jumped off on the iceberg. Probably because they saw too many polar bears over there. But that probably would have been fine. I guess you probably can't hold on to an iceberg. Or you just freeze quicker because it's ice. Um, I wonder if the iceberg got damaged. I, dude, I wonder if the iceberg's still out there. That sunk Titanic. Because it must have been a big iceberg right? And just floating around. They don't, icebergs break off of stuff and then just float around, right? I wonder how long icebergs live. Okay, so our next story is an interesting one. It is on the conspiracy iceberg, which you know what? We don't see much conspiracy iceberg around anymore. Not just on this podcast, but in, we, we do it once a week on this podcast, but on 4chan, they'd always discuss the conspiracy iceberg. It's, it's kind of died out. I guess that meme's over there, but homunculus, Trust me, I'm pronouncing that right. It's not homunculus. Hom, homunculus. I don't know, maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. But anyways, homunculus. What homunculus is, it's a tiny human. It's a human that's a little, little dude. He's like the size of the palm of your hand. So let's measure him in centimeters. Let's say he's probably like, if I'm 136 centimeters tall, he would be like 13 centimeters tall. So he's a tiny little guy. And they're not made by normal reproductive practices. I.e., you don't bang a woman and a homunculus comes out. It's a really old belief. We actually have references to homunculi-type creatures going back as far as 3 AD. But the earliest mention of the word is from the 1500s. So this is a long-standing tradition. Tiny little guy. Little tiny guy. Now, it was a big thing in the alchemist circles. They're like... Now... When I say let's let's get let's get down to brass tacks here. The goal is to make a tiny person out of <laughs> without banging a woman. And they have special powers, and we'll get into that in a second. But really, I think these alchemists just really wanted to have a reason to masturbate all day long. I think that was most likely the scenario. They're like they're like Sir Edmund, Sir Edmund, what are you doing? He's like standing in the corner. He's moving his keeps moving his beard out of the way, and they're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Uh, I'm I'm working on a spell." Well, what type of spell? Uh, tiny human. They're like, "Oh, okay," and they just he's like, "Leave me alone, leave me alone, leave those wood carvings, leave those sexy wood carvings, and I'll be out in a bit." That's most. I mean, let, let's be honest. But anyway, so they thought back then 
back in the olden times, that you didn't need an egg, like a little woman egg, you know, the little tiny egg that comes out of a woman. They didn't think you needed that to reproduce. You just needed this. The semen was where all the life was. You just needed a warm place for it to grow. You just needed to give it some food and some like just a, like a little bed and it would turn into a tiny human. You know, so they came up with all sorts of crazy schemes. The question is, is will any do any of these work? And we'll get to that in a second, because that's an actually interesting question. So first off, you could take a homunculi and they had special powers. These are their special powers they have listed. Other than being a tiny human that didn't require a mother, which is pretty special. They have the ability to control the motion and appearance of the moon. What? Who? Okay, first off. That's not a good power to have. People are like, ah, like giant tidal waves are coming after them. They're like, look at moons closer. The gravity pulls getting all messed up. Um, cows don't know where to jump. Like it's, that's not a good power to have. That's so overpowered for a tiny person to have. They give them the ability to send the moon far away into the solar system. They also, speaking of cows, to allow humans to transform themselves into sheeps and cows. Why would any human ever want to transform into a sheep or a cow? The two most easily killable animals on the planet, next to a caterpillar. Why, at what point in your life as an alchemist do you go, you know what I've always wanted to do? I've wanted to be delicious meat. I've wanted to be something that is known to be eaten or melt. Okay, there's probably some perverts out there who would be into that. But for the most part, I think most of humanity wouldn't say, wouldn't take, what do you want to be, a were-cow? It doesn't work that way. These powers are dumb. Which makes me think that these things might be real. Because if you were making it up, you'd be like, oh, you turn into this big badass wolf with like a metal chain collar and there's like old-timey heavy metal music. I You know, like with leers. Like, because, you know, they didn't have Metallica. They had like would carve a cub, but, you know, they would have, like, you would imagine this, if you're making it up, make up something badass, not a cow. The fluids from the body of a homunculi, so, you know, cut them open. It would give you the ability to walk on water. Who cares? Again, these are stupid powers to have. There's never been a point in my life where I've thought, man, if only I could walk on water. I could just walk the other eight feet around the pool to get to the other side. There's no point where you would need to walk on water. Ever. I, unless you're drowning. But other than that, it's ridiculous. So again, if they're making it up, they could have said, yeah, dude, you could fly. Walk on water's lame. Okay, so here's a couple recipes. We're going to take a look at these real quick. And these are old-timey recipes. So you're going to have to hear me talking old-timey. I'm not going to do an accent or anything, but maybe I'll have some copyright-free old-timey music playing during these. That the sperm of a man be putrefied by itself, that's disgusting, in a sealed kirkabit, which is a pumpkin-like gourd, for 40 days with the highest degree of putrefaction, in a horse's womb, or at least so long that it comes to life and moves itself and stirs, which is easily observed. After this time, it will look somewhat like a man, but transparent without a body. If, after this, it be fed wisely with the arcanum of human blood, and be nourished for up to forty weeks, and be kept in the even heat of the horse's womb, a living human child grows therefrom, with all its members like another child which is born of a woman, 
but much smaller. How would you like to be pop out of a horse? Like, yeah, I know babies don't remember stuff, but eventually you'd go, who's my mom? And you'd, you'd point over to that <laughs> bottle of glue on your counter. Recipe number two. This, so this is an old-timey. This version states that either a cow or a ewe would be the best host, and that once inseminated, the beast should be kept in the dark and fed only blood for the duration of gestation. That rhymes. Once born, the homunculi should be transferred to a jar where it is fed on blood of its slaughtered, via decapitation, mother. So, again... I'm going to take... Let's be straight. This dude's jacking off inside a cow. At best. At best. At worst, he's banging it. But a cow or or a ewe, which I I think is a sheep. Oh, maybe that's why you turn into cows and sheeps. Because that's their mom. But anyways, so you keep him in a little box. And he has to, like, you just feed him blood. Little, Little dude, you feed him blood. And then... And then once he's, like, alive, he's like, Hey, hey, Dad, where's Mom? You have to cut off the mom's head. And then he just drinks the mom's blood disgusting man but that does explain why you can turn into a cow old timey here's the last one let the sperm of a man what's up with this putrefied sperm this is so gross let the sperm of a man by itself be putrefied in a gourd glass sealed up with the highest degree of putrefaction in horse dung for the space of 40 days... 40 days? Come on, man. Or so long until it begin to be alive. Move and stir, which may be easily seen. And then it says, it's kind of the more thing with the, the dudes. But this guy's just jumping out of the horse poop. It will become a true da 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 And then we'll skip ahead a bit. It says, this we call homunculi, or artificial man. And this is afterwards to be brought up with great care and diligence as any other infant until it come to riper years of understanding. Nah, never mind. The rest of that's boring. So, so anyway, so those are the three recipes. There is actually, so you're thinking, okay, you're, I know you're getting ready. You're getting all your gear to ready to go out to the farm, hang out there, bringing 40 days of food and water and blood so you can watch your son be born. There's actually another spell you can use. This is the alchemist spell known as the bee spell. It has nothing to do with homunculi. I just thought this was funny. So you take a calf, right? Not a calf muscle, but a little baby cow. You cut its head off. You then take the corpse of the headless calf, put it in a dark house with 14 closed windows on the east. Very specific here. You plug up all of the body orifices, so like the butthole and anything else that has a hole in it. You reattach the head. Hit No joke, this is actually the spell. Hitting it with a large dog's penis... You then extract the flesh from the skinned corpse, I'm assuming of the calf, not the penis. You grind this into a certain herb, and then you leave that mixture in the corner of your house. Bunch of bees show up. But How did somebody figure that? That has to be a troll. That has to be one alchemist being like, oh, hey, dude, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, Harry, Harry, yeah, yeah. Chop, yeah, chop his head off. Yeah, that's what we do. And he's like, dude, do you think he's going to pull out the large... Oh, he's pulling out the large dog penis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep it. Yeah, bees. Anytime now, dude. Bees. Seriously, bees. <laughs> what? Why? First off, why do you need that many bees? Secondly, why would you want bees from a dead cow? Thirdly, if... Why? Where's the, where does any of this make sense? At what point is someone like, 
oh man, I have this extra dog, I have this whole supply closet of large dog penises, and I, we need to have a fire sale, we need to move them, guys, just tell people they make bees, just tell people, just, I don't care, just sell these dog penises. Now, I did say earlier that maybe homunculi are real because those powers are so lame. This is 100% not real. I don't think I have to tell you that. This is just, this has to be a troll. This has to be an old-timey troll trick that they play on the new alchemists who are just entering the game. But the thing with homunculi is, is there is a guy on YouTube who has a channel where he makes homunculi. And it's really weird, actually. And there have been videos showing how he does it, that it could be fraud. There are other videos showing that it could be real. What he does is he kind of goes back to basics. He takes an egg, a standard egg you get at the grocery store. He pokes a hole in it. Then he jacks off into a syringe, somehow, puts a funnel in it or something. And then he injects his semen into the egg, puts tape over it, puts the egg in a dark place for... His experiments start... Start off fairly small. I think 20 days was the first video. And then he started doing more and more days. And then in the videos, he cracks the egg. And there's this gross little thing inside of it. Now, the first videos was just like this growth in it. And people were like, well, that's actually pretty easily explainable. What it is, is slime mold. It's when you have basically the eggs rotting. You have this other biological substance injected into it. It's going to create this. It's going to create a shape. And these things always look like they were just basically a squid with only four legs. So kind of like a starfish missing a head or however you want to describe it. But in later videos, the one that caught my attention when it first came out, I think a year or two ago, was one of them began to move. And he said that it spit at him and he smashed it. And they're all just kind of like a camera sitting there. He has like 20 videos. More than that. He smashed it, and when he lifts the book up, it's like black slime. It was originally like this white creature. Can that be faked? Obviously, yes. It could easily be faked. And one of the videos I watched showed how he would fake it, and the way he was turning the little creature as he was holding it in a pair of forceps. He goes, look, you can make it look like it's moving by doing this. And Corny has gone on to make several videos where he like currently has a homunculi that's been sitting in a fish tank for a while and he's been feeding it blood and following all this stuff. I'd recommend checking out his channel. It's again totally possible that it's fake. I, I, I think I don't okay, I I don't think you can make a tiny human in an egg. But I do think by I mean you But I do think it's probably possible to make life by introducing those substances, it may not be human life, it could just be slime mold, this gross little slime mold creature, but that's still life, and you could say, well, Jason, I can just leave pizza out on the counter and make mold, but still, I think they're interesting videos to make, and yeah, he could probably just crack an egg on the ground, jack off in it, and leave, not clean it up for, you know, four weeks, and it is gross and starts moving around, but he is the new alchemist, he is the new guy trying to document creating these homunculi, Are these videos fake? I don't know. Likely, possibly. But I think it's intriguing, nonetheless, that these old legends from 3 AD are being continued today on YouTube. And we have people who are still saying, you know what? I just really want an excuse to jack off on stuff. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Peace.